Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. You may be noticing something a little bit different. Um, so these are actually just blue light glasses. They have no prescription or anything. They're basically one step up from like the fake hipster glasses that Urban Outfitters sells. Um, but they did come in my FabFitFun box, which just arrived, not sponsored. Um, would be cool if they wanted to, but um, that is one subscription box that I definitely feel like is worth it. You pay like 50 bucks a quarter. Um, so four times a year and you do get like a solid amount of stuff, some stuff you might not like totally need, but like um, so I do also like have prescription glasses. I've never worn them on an episode. I don't wear them too much IRL in general. Um, I wear them like to see things farther away. So naturally, especially now I'm spending a lot of my time, you know, in front of the book, in front of the TV. Occasionally I have to squint in front of the TV. That's how you know you're getting old. Um, but I do have those prescription glasses that I would wear like when I'm driving at night or if I need to see like, you know, in college, like if I needed to see the board farther away or if I'm going to a movie or a play. So basically they're, you know, they were necessary for everything in a pre-COVID world. Um, I kept them, keep them in my car because um, I need them the most when driving at night. But again, that doesn't really happen too much too often. Um, and so these blue light glasses, um, I'm sorry if you're listening to this on audio, you can't really see, but they just, you know, they're like some standard glasses frames, but I do spend a lot of time in front of a screen, um, whether I'm working watching TV, whatever I'm doing. Um, And so obviously that blue light is not great for your eyes. It can be tiring. And so these are a fun little way to prevent that. And I thought, you know, also naturally we sometimes equate, you know, the glasses with the nerdiness and I'm a reader. And so it kind of plays in a little bit to that image. And I just felt like changing it up since once again, we are wearing a variation on a t-shirt and biker shorts um, to avoid any flashing incidents as we learned when we wore dresses in earlier episodes. not to say they won't make a comeback just for someone who, you know, moves around and is all like, blah, blah, blah. It's probably not the best. But we are here um, with another episode. I think um, this one is probably going up after my interview with Todd McGowan. Um, So if you haven't checked out that interview, it will be linked down below. Um, Todd is my favorite professor. Um, He held, I took a film theory class with him starting in sophomore year. Um, We talked a lot about that in the interview, I'm assuming, crossing my fingers. Um, But he's just such a funny, wonderful, amazing, weird guy and, like, really was formative in my film education and just how I look at media. Um, And I haven't, you know, I've emailed him a little bit since I graduated, just like Tony, but I haven't talked to him. So it was really fun and amazing to catch up. Said past Rachel to future Rachel. Um, So check that one out down below if you haven't already. Um, I've just been reading like a fiend, though. Um still working from home so which means lots more time to read the library books have been flowing like wine I believe just in the span of like the past 48 hours I got like seven books between me browsing the kindle library and having some books on hold so very excited for lots of new um, books to be coming to you but today today what are we talking about um you know I was kind of I was like gonna talk a little bit about some like fun true crime sort of like documentary wacky things I've seen um, notably Action Park uh, Class Action Park about Action Park on HBO Max is a documentary about a water park um, and all the crazy shit and adventures that happens there and it's pretty well done um, that's fun but I did talk about that on a blog post actually again blog is linked down below um, for those of you interested in it 
and and there's a couple there's like the vow on hbo um which deals with the nexium cult which is also had a couple of podcasts um and some other recent news stuff on it but it's like very very interesting this crazy like sex cult in canada and then new york that people were just like was happening just very recently and it's pretty crazy stuff and i so like i said i've listened to some audio stuff about it i haven't seen really any visuals or um like document this is the first like documentary type thing i've seen about it um and that's coming out every week so that's super fuck i just spilled water all over me you know what we're gonna (laughs) that must be fun to see right um we're gonna keep recording and we're just gonna sit here in water it's kind of cooling it kind of feels like i just peed um i have a little bit left if i have to drink and this is carpet so we'll just clean it up after um this is this is live engaging well it's not live when you're talking but this is this is the stuff you're here to see right um and you know you can't you can't even tell so (laughs) this is great stuff right guys um so the first book that we're talking about today talking animals talking animals by joni mitchell not Joni Mitchell, God. Um, woo, a little bit, you know, it's the middle of the day. It's like the sky is overcast and there's, you know, the fires are going on. And fortunately, I'm safe, but a lot of other people are affected. And shit's crazy. So we're starting with Talking Animals by Joni Murphy. Um, so Talking Animals envisions a world where life is kind of as normal but everybody's an animal and it's kind of it reminded me very much of like wicked like doctor the doctor who she did dr dillamond i think his name is um just sort of like you know animals as people but they're very like everyday and you know they deal with the same struggles that people deal with um our main character is alfonso alama um so he's real like it's just so well done to create this entirely new world where animals are, you know, living lives as humans often do, but it's all different kinds of animals. And there's definitely some, you know, racial allegories, especially amongst the different species and like the different things that they can do. Um, there's, I mean, I haven't watched Bojack Horseman. I'm, I know I should. It's like crazy. Everyone's telling me I have to, um, but it's definitely sort of like, I think kind of that vibe where it just explores the everyday world and lots of other issues but by using animals instead of humans we're able to distance ourselves enough from that that the commentary that we can make feels just like a little bit more powerful and it's definitely it's not something that's easy to do i mean obviously like there's classic children's books where everyone's an animal and you know movies and stuff but to really you know flesh them out as you know being reminiscent of human beings but they're not trapped in animal bodies like the animals are humans. Um, and so it just requires a lot of finessing that Joni definitely gets done right. They live in New York City, so it's really f- cool to read and imagine like what um, a city that's fully populated and fully bustling but was started by animals instead of humans. Like, what does that look like? And she explores that. Um, there's like sort of a side like government corruption scandal um that leads through the novel but just like it's really it's um it's different it's unique it's something that i think could have easily gone downhill and not be have been done as well she has um i think this is her second novel um she has another one out that she wrote a few years ago that i have on my to read list i haven't read it yet but i'm excited for that um So it's definitely just like, you know, it also deals with climate change and other like timely issues that, you know, you could easily see humans being put into these situations. And it's interesting to think how just, you know, 
what if it was a different species or if humans weren't the dominant species would the world look the same you know how much of that is human error and how much of that is just this like instinctual being that um overarches with all of us um so that is talking animals by joni murphy that is the first one um the next one is called the new wilderness by diane cook um i really really enjoy this one i mean obviously i enjoyed all the books that i'm talking about but this one like really stood out to me i mean it's it's so timely um it deals with um b who is a young woman growing up in the unnamed city um she has a young daughter and her daughter like pretty much any children um are very sick in the city it's a city um the time and location are never specified which i love but it's definitely sort of you know not apocalyptic but it's futuristic um this futuristic unnamed city then has this sort of pilot program where a group of adults and children are going to go out into the wilderness and live there and sort of live off of the land like a back to nature roots type of thing um but they're still being checked on by people in the city it's not like they're fully like abandoning because it's there under like the guise of research and under like they're there by permission of other people um a lot of shit ensues um the group itself is an interesting dynamic um because people kind of come and go and the way that they deal with the people as characters versus sort of like obstacles is very interesting it's also just a larger commentary um on how we use our resources how trends and waves of people and immigration and sort of migration um comes and goes I won't give away too much towards the end, but it just feels very, like, natural in terms of, like, you know that even though these people are having a hard time in the w- the wilderness and developing themselves, like, it's not going to be forever. And what does discovering a new frontier mean, especially when it then becomes so absorbed by other people? Um, so B is a really well-developed, interesting character placed in an interesting situation. Her daughter, Agnes, um, gets a lot of her own perspectives. She's also fascinating because she was pretty much raised in the wilderness. She has a different experience with the city versus the wilderness um, and how everything is so ambiguous yet, like, homely crafted to this universe. Um, it really just, like, it. it's... This book has everything, you know? It has that sort of futuristic utopian, dystopian feel to it. It has that very grounded shit's hitting the fan what are we going to do it has that mother daughter parental bond relationship and like what would you do for your child like what do you feel is best and then also like you know what happens when you make a decision that might be best at the time and then circumstances change and you're not sure what to do um so it grapples with all of that it ties up really nicely um i think this is diane cook's first novel so i'm very very excited to see where she goes from here um it's definitely it's not like horror or scary it's a little bit I mean, arguably it is because it seems very close to something that could happen recently and some of the situations that happen in it are horrific and scary, but it's very based on the mother-daughter relationships and it's based on being grounded in the world, even though their world looks a little bit different than ours, but still very similar. Um, So that is The New Wilderness by Diane Cook. What we got next? What we got next? Um, We have The Unreliable. Unreality of Memory and Other Essays by Elisa Gabbert. So this book had been on my radar. Um, as the title says, it's a book of essays. Um, 
And then my teacher from the nonfiction online class I was taking, Rachel Verona Cote, um, the day that this book came out, I just she published an essay on this book and sort of what it means to her and what it means in the larger scheme of, you know, grappling with memory and grappling and grappling with tragedies. Um, I guess a lot of the things that I've read this week kind of have to deal with sort of like unnamed yet very prevalent um, tragedies and larger scale events that impact people on a microcosm and a macrocosm level. So she wrote an essay about this. I had a book. I read the essay and then, you know, I already, already knew I wanted to read this book. Holt came in from the library and I was like, damn, you know, this this book, like it starts with an essay about the sinking of the Titanic and how um, the author, Elisa, sort of became fascinated with the tragedy and wanted to learn everything that she could about it and how it becomes something that's so, you know, it could have been easily avoidable, like we'll never really know why it happened, but it's just sort of those like one in a million freak accidents. And so she explores, you know, not only the accident itself and the ramifications of that, but sort of like then how people process that, how people use that to tell a story. Um, very timely, she also dives into sort of 9-11 and the tr trauma reverberating from that and the media exposure from that and how we remember or don't remember certain things properly. Um, she comes from a background of poetry and that's very clear in these essays. I mean, they're well-researched. They're definitely, you know, more prosaic than poetic, but there's certain lines that, I mean, this could have easily been a more academic drier. I mean, not to say not as good, it just could have gone in a different direction, but her very personal, very deep investment in the language as well as what she's trying to say like really comes across well um i think this book is only yes 272 pages um all of the essays are relatively short so you could definitely um again if you're someone who just like feels daunted by an entire novel or a larger work you know you can pick this up and just read one essay a night or one essay a week. I mean, if that's all you're reading, I don't, I don't know how, how you're doing it, but I mean, that's, that's something and that's better than nothing. Um, and it just, it, you know, it really makes you think and re-examine things that probably are already on your mind and that you have some sort of opinions about one way or another. And just to take a look at it differently and then just, you know, think about, you know, everything a little bit differently. And that's what the best sort of reading and writing does um so definitely check this one out you know nonfiction fans fans of like you know wanting to understand the connection between trauma and memory and disaster while getting a very personal um raw look from elisa gabbard um definitely check this one out Next, we have Love After Love by Ingrid Persaud. Um, so once again, we got a multi-perspective family novel. You know I love those. Um, so there's a few different people that we focus on in this novel. Um, it takes place mainly in Trinidad. There's a woman named Betty whose young son, Solo, then um, leaves Trinidad and moves to New York with his uncle. Um, and then with Betty, there's also a man named Mr. Cheaton. Um, and so those are our three primary characters. Um, we deal with the different aspects of sexuality and the sort of performative aspect of who you are in real life versus hiding yourself. Mr. Cheetan um, is gay and 
um, initially it starts out with him and Betty having an, a sort of affair um, which drives Solo the son away um, but it becomes much more complicated that it becomes much more nuanced um, each person is very well fleshed out I mean the Trinidadian culture is not something I'm super familiar with um, nor am I you know personally familiar with the immigration experience moving to a new country but it's really crazy to see you know this young boy of 18 and you know it happens to so many you know he's just one of so many to really leave his entire life behind and start over with virtually nothing and make way of a new country while also grappling with uh changing relationship with his mother and what's going on back in trinidad um there's also some pretty um unfortunate things that happen but ultimately you know i don't want to say it's a dark novel there's definitely deeper uh, socio-cultural issues, but it's fiction. These characters, you know, they're flawed. They're real people, so life is not perfect, but I think that's what makes them interesting and engaging. Um, they are characters that are often marginalized, so it's great to see, you know, a fully fleshed out Trinidadian trio of men, women, and a younger boy get to live their lives in different aspects, and for us to look behind the scenes and explore that in a definitely, like, a non-exploitative like you know it's ultimately fiction so it really is just comes together as well as it can um i think this is ingrid persaud's first novel i could be wrong um no she wrote one other novel i'm sorry a few years ago but definitely i mean check this one out it's um for being a fictional you know dealing with heavier issues it is like a little bit not lighter but it's definitely more palatable it's definitely not you know, super jargony and wordy. It just, it reads like a really well story that opens you up to a part of the world and different culture that you're may not be familiar with. And then leaves you with the sense of, you know, these are real people with their real stories too. And, um, again, that's what the, <laughs> the best writing does. So that is, that is that one. Um, and then lastly, we have, untamed by glennon doyle um and so i know that this one was like everywhere like oprah was talking about it Kristen bell was talking about it um it was just again on on my list of holds for a long time at the library and finally came out um so glennon is a woman who you know she had a husband she had two kids um she actually you know she this is not her first piece of writing she's written quite a few other memoirs and um this book is her journey into discovering, you know, that she was extremely unhappy in that marriage and relationship and left him for another woman and just, you know, discovered her true sense of self and sexuality and just felt so much happier with this woman and building an entirely new life for herself. And, you know, it just explores the idea of, you know, isn't there supposed to be something more than this? Like, sure, on paper, I have everything I'm supposed to have and need, but I want something more. And so it's really that wanting that, you know, after, I believe she's in her late 40s when she writes this um forgive me if somehow glennon you're listening to this and i'm wrong but you know she's definitely she's so she's had you know she's had the experience she's not in her early 20s or you know 30s she's had the kids she's had the husband so part of her is like isn't this enough like i i think at one point one of her previous works actually dealt with her she left her husband at a time she then came back like renewed her faith like rebranded herself as this like family woman and then a few years after that she was like you know this isn't right like she met her now partner 
um, at an event and that chapter where she talks about their meeting and their instant connection like it's it's beautiful it's you don't get to have that too often and you know she didn't even know she was attracted to women at that point she just met happened to meet this person at an event and it changed her life forever so she definitely you know she goes into more of the personal and her journey but through that she learns a lot of lessons um it's not self-helpy at all but it is very sort of you know if you are feeling kind of stuck if you are feeling like there must be more than this provincial life, as Belle says, and into the woods. Um, if, you, if, you know, you feel like, and, you know, maybe you already feel like, you know, you have your life, you're full, and it's just empowering, of course, to see someone else go through that journey and to make those realizations. It goes to show, you know, that it's never too late, that, you know, you might feel stuck at 30 and be like, is this it forever? And, you know, it just might take a chance encounter to change your entire life. And it also goes to show that you can be super successful. You can be a best-selling author and have a family, but you can you know that's not fulfilling and to find and to understand that without sounding sort of privileged and sort of like what was me is not the easiest and she's just again a fantastic writer I think it's a story that is great on its own but in the wrong hands could not have been as powerful um so I think just you know it's about reclaiming yourself and understanding that you know being untamed and being wild and free is not a bad thing and why is it um so she delves into those questions it's very readable it's very palatable i know where it falls so it's not like a summer read anymore but it's just sort of like you know your whatever background or experience you have there's something that you can take from this um so check it out and with that i mean i don't even know how long this episode was sometimes they're longer sometimes they're shorter like what do you what do you guys like um sometimes i feel like you know I could talk forever and there might be a tons of ums and ahs and like sometimes I plan out, I mean, so obviously I plan out the books ahead of time. Sometimes if there's a particular piece of media or piece of news or some event that's happened that I really feel like, oh my God, I need to talk about this. But then sometimes I'm just like, you know, maybe the shorter podcast episodes are better. Like I do, it's so weird. Like if, if someone releases like a two hour episode, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this is like a movie and I'm, but I'll still listen to it and then I'll still want that content. But again, if they're releasing like a 20, 25 minute episode, maybe like every single minute of that episode is something that you want to listen to and you grab onto that and get more out of that than a two hour episode. I don't know. We're still playing around. I think this is like episode 11 or 12. Um, so let me know what you guys like want and, you know, think and what you're feeling. Um, but until then, stay reading. Bye.